0: Hey guys, thanks for taking the drive down State Street. In today's episode, we begin our mini-series on How I Raise Myself from Failure to Success in Selling by Frank Becker. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to State Street. This is the co-host, The Voice, Nick Kleich, and with me, as always, Cole and Jeremy. Guys, how are we doing?
1: Nick, we're doing good. We're. Uh, I'm looking forward to kind of learning maybe a thing or two from you and Cole as we start on our, our new journey. It's a, It's more of a sales-based, I guess, journey. I am not in any, any sales capacity whatsoever, nor do I ever plan on being in one, but I think I could learn a thing or two, and I think I could probably take something away and apply it to my life.
2: You guys, it's always so good to talk to each of you. It's so good to, to just get together and, and talk shop about what we're reading, what we're learning about. Uh, every Sunday evening is when we record these and it comes out on Tuesdays. So for the folks that are listening, uh, yeah, we, we got a book that uh, is sales focused, but I think as we go through it, there will be constant themes that can be applied to just life in general. You know, one of the first things that I'm sure Nick is going to bring up is enthusiasm, and enthusiasm does not just stretch across sales; that stretches across life, and being an enthusiastic person is contagious, as we just talked about with our friend Peyton not too long ago. Um, but that's just the kind of people that that I personally want to build uh, my life around. Uh, it gets me juiced up; it gives me a zest for life, and so. That among a lot of other things within this book are going to be really, really great talking points that hopefully people can take away from, like I said, not just in sales, but in life as whole, We because we are always selling ourselves to other people.
0: Yeah. And maybe said another way, we're going to be talking about people skills and as much as sales is an art, a craft, and there are products and services that need to be sold, what it comes down to is how to handle people and how to work with people. And that, for all I'm concerned, is applicable to really any and all fields. So we're hoping that even though we might have a tendency to be salesy on here, um, we will provide some form of people skills or people tools um, that hopefully you can implement and uh, and use for yourself. So I'm going to turn real quick right back to you, Cole, as you had noted, enthusiasm. If you wouldn't mind, give maybe a two minute indulgence on where and how enthusiasm actually helped out our friend, Mr. Frank.
2: Mr. Frank Becker. uh, Yeah. Chapter one uh, is literally titled how one idea multiplied my income and happiness. And literally that one idea was put some enthusiasm into your work. And obviously he's talking strictly about income, being happy at work, Um, and it's the biggest rule of thumb because this is what Frank, our author did. Now we should give context. This, this author, um, does take place a few years back. Um, those of those people who have followed along with us a long time. Uh, this guy was like a student of Dale Carnegie. So the guy who wrote the book, how to win friends and influence people, um, this author studied that guy, learned from that guy. And, and so a lot of those lessons, we dive a little bit deeper on what Dale Carnegie said and how to win friends and influence people. But, um, the first chapter is, is literally all about how getting into sales, Frank Becker, who was a major league baseball player, funny enough, uh, decided that, hey, I'm I'm tired of being un- unhappy. I'm tired of not making money. Um, what do I got to do to change that? And the first thing, the first decision he made was that even if he wasn't feeling enthusiastic about going to work or feeling enthusiastic about picking up the phone to make another call or go on another meeting, he was going to act enthusiastic. And he came to find that in response to doing that, it simply made him an enthusiastic person. He became calloused to being enthusiastic, and in return, it made him more happy going to work. He was more he was more excited about it. He was more enthusiastic when he was there, when he was around people. Uh, and as the title of the chapter says, it literally increased the amount of money that he was making, just becoming or just acting enthusiastic.
0: Yeah, and I think what people may or may not realize is sometimes our words that we use don't necessarily hold as much weight as what type of energy and vibe that we're giving off. Um, So Frank actually works within the insurance industry, and uh, I I got introduced to him when I was a New York Life agent, and um, one thing that uh, they always preach to us and and still to this day uh, I want to be mindful of is people just sense when you're thriving and when you're doing well now in the beginning I had to fake that because I was just getting started. And so they didn't know if I was truly a veteran in the industry or if it was my second day. Um, but that was the, the energy I wanted to try to give off and, and still do that in recruiting. Um, it's a little bit more difficult because it's a phone business, but people at the end of the day, they sense who is in a good mood. And I feel like, um, yes, with having Peyton on that confidence, that energy, that vitality that attracts more than anything.
2: One of the biggest things, too, that, that Nick, you just said, and, and in this first chapter, especially, it talks about is, you know, especially the age we're at, right? We are just kind of getting our baby steps into what are we going to do for the rest of our life? And you may be working a job that is simply just a job in order to make some cash so you can move out of your parents' place or work a job so you can buy a new car or so you can pay off student loan bills. Or maybe it's a combination of the three or two of those um, or whatever you're working towards, or whatever you're just trying to fund in the near future or even save for down the road. Um, and so you may not be in that dream job right now. You may not be even doing anything that is remotely interesting to you. Um, you know, I've talked at length with Nick about his sales experience in the insurance industry. and and I think Nick, I even listened to a couple insurance like practice sales pitches of yours and it was just like all right clearly like you know this isn't necessarily something nick is over the moon about or totally enjoying but hey it's gonna pay the bills for a little bit until he finds his footing until he really finds uh, his stride and and what he wants to do and i think that's um i think that's a, a really really great place to be because you're almost then forced to learn this kind of first golden rule of just acting enthused and learning how to be an enthusiastic person and an enthusiastic salesperson.
1: I think we'd uh, we'd be a little remiss if we didn't talk about how you guys, you know, come off enthusiastic at the at the start. Like you said, you know, maybe at the the start of your new job or something, it may be a little harder to be more enthusiastic, or you know, you just have that rough day. So I, I guess both of you, Nick, I'll, we'll start with you. How do you just really just turn up the dial on on your enthusi- enthusiastic meter? Uh, we can call it, I guess.
0: Yeah. So I'll answer that in two ways. So the first is, and I think that this is very important now that I have a couple of years under my belt, the belief in what you're selling. I think that has a lot of it helps you get into an enthusiastic mindset. If you truly believe in what is being presented to this person, you can, the other person will sense that they'll sense your confidence. They'll sense that again, even if I wasn't saying the right terminology, they're like, there's something here that really stands out. And that's kind of part of the enthusiasm and the energy portion. Uh, The other is, I think just helping set the environment. So like, Even though we don't make any money from having a guest on, I still want that guest to feel my enthusiasm for this podcast. Even if I'm having a bad day, I'm still trying to give the vibe off that this is something I I really love to do. I enjoy you guys. I enjoy learning about them. Of course, this does hold true. I'm not saying that uh, I don't love doing this, but just to answer your question, Jeremy, those are two circumstances where I think you can generate that enthusiasm and really all enthusiasm is is just kind of like um i don't know what do you think what would be a synonym for like being enthusiastic just in a good mood or like how would you uh describe that i guess
2: good synonym um maybe especially in the workplace would be engaged i think it's hard to be engaged at work and not be somewhat enthusiastic it doesn't necessarily and and i almost said excited But you don't always have to be excited to be engaged and to be enthusiastic. Uh, And I I, I, I think that's important. I think it's if you can be engaged, it means you're locked in, you're all in on the present moment. And more often than not, you know, especially as salespeople, Nick, what are we trying to do? We're trying to find the needs of others and we're trying to fulfill those needs or we're trying to, you know, close a deal. We're trying to to take care of whatever problem or, or solve whatever issue they have when they've brought to us or we're meeting with them about. Would you agree? Yeah,
0: absolutely. And that's where I think it's funny when some people are, they claim that they're not maybe as salesy as they so think that they are or not because the way I interpret sales is You're essentially connecting with people, you're building a rapport, but you're there to either make their life better or to solve a pain that they have, quite literally. Um, Not to go too far into the weeds here in the early part of this conversation, but one of his core principles is understanding what a fellow wants, as he refers to it, um, and just helping him get it. That's just a way to be a good, you you could call it a salesman, but just a good steward of the game, really. And again, that doesn't have to be, um, you know, related to sales. I mean, your wife, for example, I mean, helping her understand what she wants and helping her get it, I bet that that will make her happy Um, or with your friends or what have you, but Um, yeah, so that's what I would, um, follow up with. I like the engagement because you're right. You do lose excitement over time. You're not completely giddy from the moment that you wake up (laughs) to the moment you go to bed. There are times that you fall off, but being engaged does allow for an environment for you to be enthusiastic. So, um, Jeremy though, let's go back to the question you said to me and then ask Cole the same one, just so I don't have that fall through the cracks.
1: No, yeah, I think Cole kind of answered it, um, with his engaged part, but yeah, Cole just explain how you kind of like turn up the the enthusiasm enthusiastic meter I guess.
2: So, I think first off, there was a lot of validity in in both of Nick's answers. I really like both of those and I think believing in what you're selling is huge. I think it's critical. Um and then obviously, you know, talking about being engaged, all those kinds of things. I think that's great. One thing for me that I really found a lot of success or or I've I've found that I can turn up that enthusiasm dial is if I have structure and I, I guess self-awareness, if I boil it down to one word is having self-awareness. What do I need to do personally? What What do I have control of that I can do every morning or maybe every night before I go to bed before the next day in order to make my life easy or to make my life Better or to make myself just be able to lock in that much more when I get to work. Because as soon as I can feel good, look good, I'm going to be able to sell good or play good, right? Like it goes back to that old adage. And if I have the self-awareness to know, okay, I need to get up and I need to go for a run in the morning, or okay, I need, you know, I need to have a cup of black coffee, or maybe I need to, to get up and listen to, to, to some, do some, some yoga and listen to just soft voices or listen to, you know, some sounds of waves crashing on the shore, whatever you need. Maybe you got to read a book or or talk to your mom or dad, whatever, talk to your best friend, understanding what you need to do in order to to fill that tank or have that structure so that when you get to work, you have the ability to lock in. You don't have a cloudy mind or a foggy mind. You're not thinking about other things or, or worried or stressed about other things coming into the workplace. Do what you have to do in order to be clear mind, focused going into the day. And I think it becomes really, really easy then. And, and obviously, I say this and, and you guys, and for people listening, this is a lot easier said than done. I completely understand that because I mean, I think both of you, Jeremy and Nick can agree, like things happen in life that we just don't have any control of. And they just kind of, they hit you at the worst time sometimes, right? And it's it bad days, you know, sometimes compound or they happen. But um, if you can be completely self-aware to understanding what you need in order to walk into work, with a clear mind, or or to walk in focused and be able to lock in for whatever length of time you're you're required to do so, I think it becomes a lot easier to be be enthusiastic about your work.
1: No, yeah, I'm just gonna just gonna kind of piggyback off Cole's self awareness because I, I think that's something we can't overlook. It's it really just helps you show up each day, and like Cole said, know what you have to do and think about the days you show up to work, not knowing like what you have to do. How much energy do you spend on just trying to figure out what you have to do for that day? You spend a lot of energy and a lot of time and it really kind of just takes, sucks, sucks some of the life out of you, I guess. And it makes it so much harder to be enthused. And I don't, I show up sometimes to work and I'm like, wow, there's a lot. And I have to sift through everything. And it's like, all right, it's hour four. And I'm like, wow, this is, I'm getting, I'm getting kicked in the ass right now. I need, I need to really just start bringing more energy. And I think like the self-awareness portion, when I'm able to be self-aware, it it just makes my life so much better.
2: Yeah. And, and I know Nick had something for us. Um, and I'm going to kick it over to him as soon as, as saying this, but I do want to just give some context, just really, really quick, uh, to kind of end my point, just to give people context, listening to this, this comes straight from the book within 10 days. And, and these numbers are are a little different just because of how how old uh, this this guy, this author is. But within ten days, enthusiasm took me from twenty five dollars a month to one hundred and eighty five dollars a month. It increased this guy's income by seven hundred percent. So that, that right there is is a little bit of context into just how important enthusiasm in the workplace and enthusiasm for your clients, for your customers, um, how far it really, really can go. Um, Nick, I believe you had something for us, and and you also may want to hit on something that we on State Street are incredibly enthusiastic about as well.
0: Yeah, I can certainly hit on that. I, uh, I might have to ask you uh, what you're referring to just so I don't screw anything up, but um, I just wanted to to put some other layered items on with enthusiasm. I think enthusiasm also is an intimidation factor for your competition over time. I mean, they're going to maybe be annoyed by you, but I think if you consistently bring the juice um, or bring that enthusiasm, people realize like, gosh, I don't know what he's doing, but I can't get to that level myself. And I feel like if you can do that consistently, it helps reiterate your uh ability to succeed in in the current job but also if you are in a very competitive field i just feel like they that forces them to work twice as hard to get to your level when you're controlling that amount of energy you're outputting um and then also i think like you said too cole um you can turn it off and on so like there's times when you need to be enthusiastic and there's times when you just need to have, again, the self-awareness to understand the situation. So like when I'm presenting something to someone, I'm trying to give everything I got in that moment because I want them to be like, gosh, for some reason, I can hear it in this guy's voice. Like he, this opportunity is something I probably should check out. But to Frank's point, he had more enthusiasm, which allowed him to set more appointments, which allowed him to see more people, which allowed him to have more, uh, numbers of people that he's showing the product to, et cetera, et cetera, which led to more money. So, um, it's just that nice little icing in the cake or, um, just that nice thing that gives off to people that can definitely make you more successful, whether you have it or you're faking it for, for that matter. <laughs> um, but I am going to turn it back to you, Cole. What were, What were you referring to, or just to make sure we address that point?
2: Well, I think one thing that we're pretty enthusiastic about is, is the guys at Driftless Quality Wear and, uh, you know, our good friends we've had on this podcast. Why don't you go ahead and speak to that, uh, let people know where they can buy it and and a little promo deal that, that we've had going for it seems like a long, long time now and, and what that means to us and what that means to them as well.
0: Yeah, I thought I was picking up what you were putting down, but I'm glad that you, uh, you were able to bounce it back and forth with me real quick there. So, uh, yeah, so guys, they're getting to the end of their winter sales spring is nipping at our heels and we finally getting some nicer weather here in the Midwest. Um, and so again, you guys can go to their website and at uh, checkout, you can type in state street podcast and get 10% off your entire cart. Whether you're purchasing for the final winter sale, uh, that's one thing, but I know they're super jacked up for all the clothing that they're going to be outputting here in the spring. So um, definitely check that out. Uh, there were a couple other things though, uh, Jeremy, and if you wouldn't mind uh, throwing some some info in on that.
1: Yeah, they have, since the start of Corona, they have pledged that for every item you guys purchase from Driftless Quality Wear, they will go to their local area parks, national estate, whatever it is. And pick up a pound of trash. So every time you go out and buy an item from uh, from Driftless Qualityware, they will go clean up the air surrounding area. And they call it the, the Corona cleanup. And they are also coming out with a newsletter. So if you guys are really interested in Driftless Qualityware, why don't you go ahead and subscribe to that newsletter? I'm sure they'll give you some great deals and some great upcoming products.
0: Yes, yes. Well, to get back to the book, it says enthusiasm is the highest paid quality out there. But what's a very close second and something that has really helped me step my, up uh, my personal game is being a wickedly organized individual when it comes to prospecting, when it comes to sales, when it comes to uh, just running my desk in the recruiting world. I was so such a victim of being unorganized in the past that when I had read this book, the first time it didn't really resonate with me. But the second time as I'm reading through this, it's really standing out how when you're more organized organized or locked in on an organization standpoint, you're able to get more done with your time. And I know that time was another big thing that that Frank touched on quite a bit, but um, Cole, I don't know, and this could be a question more so your specific field, you know, he's an insurance, so he needs to see the people, statistically speaking, the more people he sees, et cetera, the more he books. Is that what you guys experience and, and do you have to be very organized or what does that look like for you specifically?
2: Peyton kind of mentioned it uh, when we interviewed her. She kind of said it quickly, so I don't, maybe some people didn't necessarily probably catch it. But so, in in, in my job and in our field, we're required to make a hundred calls a day, um, mi- minimum. I mean, unless you have an absolute crazy schedule, that is the standard is a hundred calls in a day. Um, and it's interesting because you know, in the second chapter, uh, and and as as obviously we go into the book, he talks about keeping records of calls. I have to do the exact same thing. You got to keep a record of how many calls you're making, how they're going, if you're getting connects, if you're making sales, if you're setting meetings, all these kind of different things. Um, so yes, that wicked organizational structure you're talking about is huge in in my day to day. Not, I mean, not just, I mean, it's not a weekly or a monthly or annual type thing. It is literally day to day. You have to be incredibly detailed as far as the records you're keeping, how you're keeping them, where you're keeping them so they can be easily accessed. You can find them, you can reference them, all that good stuff. Um, There's a quote though, as, as we're talking about this, that kind of ties into this, but it ties into all of this. And he says, selling is the easiest job in the world. If you work it hard, but the hardest job in the world, if you try to work it easy and and that is so true when it comes to this. If you're loose with your organizational structure, if you're loose with the amount of calls you're making in a day, no matter what your industry is and no matter what the the standard of calls you make in a day is, um or meetings you go on per week or or sales you make in a month, those kind of things, the harder you work, the easier that your life is going to get. And the easier you take it, though, as soon as you take your foot off the gas and Peyton touched on this, and I'm so happy she did uh, just kind of in a preview for this book. As soon as you take your foot off that gas, life starts getting hard and that pipeline that we've talked about a few times on this podcast starts to dry up uh, and things just don't look to be as fruitful as they normally would be had you put in a little extra time, got a little grease on the elbows uh, and, and gotten on, picked up the phone, you know, even when it does get heavy, like my friend Peyton said. Um, so yeah, Nick, that's kind of, I mean, that is kind of a, a little look into it. Why don't you, uh, why don't you take us a little deeper down this rabbit hole?
0: Yeah, so he actually encourages an entire uh, morning or a following day on Saturday where he completely organizes his week for the next week, and uh, over time, he gets uh, his skill set done far enough where he's able to do it on Fridays. Funny enough, me and Cole uh, had exchanged text messages last Friday, and I believe you were implementing that to some capacity, which is fantastic. Was. um Yes, yes. But what I think is so important, especially in my field, is I don't have time in my day to make calls to people that are not being directly influenced on what we're working on. So, like, I don't want to just call 20 people that are kind of close, and my ability to research and organize my call list or prospecting list per me reaching out the first time is of such vital importance. So that way I'm making these calls. I'm not a losing my, my time from calling them, but B being able to be targeting the right people, um, to be a high biller, or a, 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 large, or a high producer, uh, in our specific field. But what's so interesting is that your ability to do so is such a difference maker in the following, like the day, the following week, the following month to where you could probably get to such a sophisticated system to know exactly. Exactly what you need to do with your time all the time. And that by itself is going to increase your productivity and your income, uh, by far. But, uh, another thing that we have to do, um, is inventory management is what I call it. So if I ca- if I talk to someone on a roll, um, they were maybe a 70% match and they still want to be informed of local opportunities for us. I need to be really good at where I put that person because if I come across a, a job or an opportunity six months down the road, they need to be in my system where I can access them on the fly. So that way, a, I'm helping them and serving them, but b, that way they they don't get lost in translation. So that for me personally was very important, just because I wasn't necessarily an organized person up in like in my in my prior years. Um, but yeah, I loved how he he brought that up to fruition, and I'm sure sales and other industries would agree with that. Um, But Cole, let's, uh, let's go into part two here. Um, and let's just talk a little bit on some of these tactics about handling people and thought process. What was maybe one or two that stood out to you? Um, and then we'll, we'll be able to keep the ball moving from there.
2: One that, that you kind of read about, and I I believe it's a couple chapters into part two. Uh, and and we've talked about this a, a couple times, but, One incredibly common mistake that people make, and I still make it, you know, every now and then, and, and, you know, it's just, you know, a bad habit that I'm going to have to continue to work on is talking about myself and not talking about the other person, not talking about the person you're meeting with, what their wants are, what are they looking for? You know, even if, even if you walk into a meeting and they're not looking for exactly what you have to offer you never know what void you could fill in that person's life. Like I could walk in and and meet with a, uh, a client about, um, a corporate outing that they're wanting to have. And maybe it's just not what they're looking for, but Hey, maybe their son is a big baseball fan and their wife has just been clamoring, just been hammering about, we need to spend some more time together as a family. Well, perfect. I mean, that right there could end up in a sale for me. And it had nothing to do with me meeting with them about, uh, corporate stuff or business stuff or bringing clients out and and wine and dining clients. It's strictly family. It's strictly family time. It's personal. Um, and I think that's so critically important when you go in and you meet with anybody. And this is, this is a real, a life tactic too. Uh, people need to be a lot better. I think about listening to the other person and, and asking what do the other, what does the other person want? What, what do you want? And, and be that person that's trying to find that solution, even if it's not going to result in a nice commission or a nice bonus, uh, or you getting money off, making money off of that. It, it, may, it it endears people to you, Nick. And I think you would completely agree with that. You and I have talked at length about this.
0: Yeah, and that's where I like how you brought it as a life skill. So you never know when and who you're gonna run across that completely change the, the direction or the course um, of your life, uh, if we're being super dramatic about it. But uh, just on a small scale, um, if you're someone that as you're engaging with a friend, a spouse, um, or really anyone, If you find yourself getting ready to answer them before you fully understand what they're saying to you, that is a case in point of not being open-minded to what they're actually saying and going to that level with them. So Cole, we'll play on words or we'll play on that situation. So maybe you weren't gonna get a direct corporate sale, but you were keen enough to be a good listener to what they were sharing. And now you have a relationship which could result in business down the road. So just from a life principle, being able to listen effectively, yes, I would agree with you so much on that. We covered it a little bit in Seven Habits, but that alone in any selling capacity or any relationship building, that that is so such a non-practiced skill. Um, and then just to, to add on, um, I think what really stood out to me, and there's another book that I read, um, it's called Question-Based Selling, being able to learn how to communicate with people by asking a question that provide or provokes thought, making it an idea or a suggestion. I was I am so guilty of wanting to solve people's problems even after I've listened to them fully, but no one wants to be told what to do. They want to think it's partially their idea or they want to think that it is their full idea for the solution that you're coming up with. And he he says it in a different way too, people don't like to be sold, they like to buy. And so that was one thing for me that as a, a young salesman, when I learned the power of suggestion, the power of thinking out loud with people, um, that certainly helped my ability to be effective. So that was one thing that stood out to me was just the ability to ask really good questions.
2: Let's talk really quick on effectiveness, Uh, and and Jeremy, I'm going to turn it back to you, but just really quick, I I just want to say this, Nick said effectiveness, and that made me think of our friends at Chi-Town Blankets. Uh, because they've been incredibly effective. They just donated a ton of blankets, I think over 100 almost, to uh, to Thresholds of Chicago, um, uh, a company charity there in need. Um, got a big donation of blankets, going to help a lot of people. Um, and Nick, you even said it when we were talking about Driftless, how spring weather, warmer weather is kind of starting to creep in. And uh, I lived in the Midwest. You guys live in the Midwest now. We all know that there's one or two good snows left uh, in the Midwest. And, and with that snow means cold temperatures. Um, so what, you know, what better way to kind of ease ourselves into summer than, than giving a gift to someone that we don't even know doing that random act of kindness and no better way to do it with Chi town blankets. Uh, you can go online, purchase a, an actual blanket via their store, or just donate monetarily. C H I T O W N B L A N K ets.com, s.com shytownblankets.com to donate there uh, subscribe to the newsletter get all the the updates recent uh kind of things they're doing recently and and things that they they're planning to do in the future uh just because it's such a great cause and everyone deserves to be warned but jeremy i will turn it back to you i just had to interject that and throw that in there uh please please kind of take us down a down a little rabbit hole here as well
1: No, so Nick kind of got me interested in the asking thought-provoking questions because I'm very similar to Nick where I want to solve people's problems. I never, like, I've never thought of it as guiding someone to a solution instead of, you know, just telling them what to do. And and it, like, I think of it and I'm like, I hate when people tell me what to do. So, like, (laughs) it's a a very hard habit to break because I hate when it happens, but I love to do it. So, Nick, how did you kind of break that habit and, like, what were like the like the baby steps to get getting yourself to you know asking those thought provoking questions instead of saying, "Hey, I want to do this for you. Let me help you." Kind of, kind of like that.
0: I uh, I am so appreciative that you talked to me about this, Jeremy, because this is something that people do and they don't even realize that they do it. My girlfriend included. They just want to solve, solve, solve. But at the, as if you're the recipient of that, you already know probably what the answer is or the solution is, but you want to complain to them or do what would do with it as you please. But in a sales hall specifically, if there is a decision maker you're working with and you want to, uh, you want to sway them, or you want to try to use your consultative approach to help out a good way to to pose that is, and he uses a form of this in the book too, is, um, let's say Dan, I'm working with Dan. So, Hey, Dan, I know, you know, during our discovery period, you had talked about how it's kind of a, a pain that you're not getting any candidate traction do you think it would make sense to give us more leverage to reach out to more people so that way you can have that problem solved? Or what would you suggest would be a good way to go about it? So like something like that allows Dan to completely share all the stuff with me. And I need that because then that can help me better serve him. But I didn't say I want more leverage and you can give me a little more leverage. It's really what I want, but I have to pose it in a certain way to where Dan isn't turned off even though I want to go on that topic of conversation. So that's something I use all the time. Uh, like, does it make sense? Or if you were in my shoes and had to make a decision, how would you make it just different, uh, ideas of getting people to kind of engage with your thinking and working again as a partnership rather than me telling them what I think, because whether you're right all the time or whether you're right or wrong, again, people don't like to be like told what to do, basically
1: (laughs) kind of like get it, get it in their heads. And then ask them what they think about it kind of deal?
0: So yeah, essentially, yes, Jeremy. So the example is here. So for example, if I say to you, we should avoid making so many positive statements, we should ask more questions. I have merely stated my own opinion, right? If I had to say to you, don't you think... We should make so, or we should avoid making so many positive statements. Don't you feel we should ask more questions? He is asking your opinion on it, even though he knows probably what the answer is. So it's a really nice and delicate way to say, Hey, I have a solution that you may like, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you discover it for yourself. So then that way it's not like someone has to fall on the sword. And I think that's a huge thing in sales. Like, cause people don't want to fall on the sword and don't want to be proven wrong. I mean, as much as we are adults, that's like one thing from birth that, that we don't like, <laughs> that we don't like to have happen to us. And so if you can get an art of helping people think out loud with you, um, I think it bodes over much more, uh, much more effectively. Um, but before I turn it back to Cole, another tactic in here that I liked, it talked about objections. Now, to me, as a salesman, I don't want to have to overcome a lot of objections. It's just not, a, I'm not a very competitive person when it comes to that. And I also don't want to make you feel like you're forced to buy something. So, as a salesman, I'm very mindful of that. Um, but what I love, he asks a question for the objection. So he's understanding what they're saying. And then he's diving deeper to get to where they can crystallize their thinking through asking questions. That's some next level shit right there.
2: Well, it's some next level shit and it's also, it, it shows, it, it allows you as the person who is in question or the person who the objection is being posed to, to get to a deeper root or to see true colors or to see true nature of why exactly is this objection being thrown at me? Why am I being denied right now? Why does this person truly not want to buy from me? You know, is it truly just price is it truly just that they're not interested or they're not a fan of baseball in my case or Nick, in your case, they're just, you know, maybe they just, they're just, they're just content at their job. Really? Is that the true reason? Or is there something deeper? Is there something at a deep, deeper level? And um, that to me, Nick, I don't know about you. I'll let you speak for yourself, but being able to overcome a sugge- uh, an objection, I guess you kind of even just did did talk about it. But for me, being able to overcome objections calmly and 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 spit back a question maybe i am a little competitive in that 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 aspect or that nature um but that for me as a salesperson is one thing that is truly truly gratifying
0: is being able to kind of ping back and forth with people just is that what you're referring to
2: exactly yep exactly
0: yeah and uh... I mean, it's it's certainly it depends on how you approach it as well too. And I think that comes with building rapport early in a sales process. But you can tell in face-to-face sales, like if you're kind of if people are squirmy when you're getting to those topics of conversation rather than being open-minded. But um, one thing that I am gonna implement like tomorrow and through the rest of this year, and I love this, is asking why. Such an easy. Tool, but I do not do it like nearly as effectively as I need to do it. So, for example, Jeremy, you know I'm trying to work with you and and sell you something, and you're like, you know what, uh, I I just don't have the money. Okay, if you don't mind me asking, why? And that might be crossing a, a very delicate barrier, depending on what the situation is. But it helps me overcome that in a way that's like getting deeper in down into the trench of why you're you're feeling that way. Another thing he says is in addition to, and I love that phrase as well too. And uh, Cole, if you wouldn't mind, I'm not sure if you could turn to 60, page 65 for me really quick as I'm I'm going through, but uh, I wanted to share the, the statistical percentage of finding the hidden objection, because I think this is so, 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 so true because I know I do it for someone that is being a salesman to me. So as you're sifting there, um, one of the core things he says here is a man generally, or a woman generally has two reasons for doing things. The first one that sounds really good. And then the second one And our ability in sales to get to the second one, which is the real one, um, is, I mean, that's, that's why we do what we do
2: Don't want to be harsh, right? Especially if you're, if you, if you have a meeting with them and you're sitting down with them or even talking to them over the phone, they don't want to be harsh. and exactly to your point, you know, the, the first one is something that sounds good and it's maybe, it, maybe they, they've thought it out and they're like, all right, how am I going to let this, this, this guy or this girl down easy? Like, how am I going to let them down easy? How am I going to be nice about it? Uh, and, and get them out of my office so I can kind of continue working for the day or so I can get back to work or get up, just get off the phone and get back to my life. Um, but that's not always necessarily, the most genuine answer they give. Or like we just talked about, it's not necessarily the true nature of the denial. And as a salesperson, isn't that ultimately, if you can, if you can walk away from a meeting and know, yep. All right. You know, it just, it didn't work out. They don't have the money. It's just not in their budget. It fiscal, it, it, it literally would not work this year. Or, you know, they're in, they're completely happy at their job. In Nick's case, they're up. They're going to be up for a promotion in a few months. They're looking to start raising a family. Going to be making some more money. Get really good benefits. All these great things. It just it, it's just bad timing. It simply is bad timing. That is so much better to know directly and and maybe sometimes harshly than getting a a good uh soft letdown and 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 more so people trying to be polite out of it.
0: Yeah, and another phrase I'm going to throw in here that I think is an absolute game changer that I'll give kudos to my boss for this is giving people an out at every stage in the sales process. Because if they're not afraid to say it's not for them, that causes tension as well too. So like a way you could pose that like, hey, Jeremy, if you're super interested in this role, great. I don't want to waste your time. When people hear you say that and they know that you're not up their butt, they're like, okay, I can I can shoot the shit with this guy because if he's giving me an out, he must he must actually care about me rather than never bringing it up and it being an awkward conversation. Um, but just to drive home this point, and we're going to asterisk this just because I know this book was written a long time ago and, and the percentage, it could change, I don't know, but um, he said in six 62% of the cases, over 50%, the original objection raised against buying was not the real reason at all, which just goes to show that as a salesman, I need to be very good at, of digging, building a good relationship with these people. So that way we can get to the real, real roots, which it makes sense too. If you're a prospect, you're not going to be like, um, yeah, thanks for asking me that. Yeah, we're going through a divorce right now and uh, I'm not sure how to handle it. You know, obviously, people aren't just gonna like fire straight with you with their more personal stuff, but uh, it is true, Cole, to your point that you want to get there, so then that way you can walk away and find maybe a more primed prospect.
2: Jeremy, you uh, obviously this is not necessarily an area of expertise, but after hearing us talk a little bit on this kind of stuff, let's let's dive just really quick into your world. What from sales and from what we've talked about, what could potentially apply to something for those people who may be listening that they're not in sales and, and it's just not their gig and they just don't want to be, they don't want to do it. You know, they, you know, you want to do something completely different, which I think is awesome. And I think it's, it's obviously necessary in our world. What are things that you've heard up to this point that could apply?
1: I got two things that I that really have kind of just struck a chord with me and the first one is the enthusiasm part like that that's not just a sales thing that reaches to every corner of the just business world if you're not enthusiastic or you don't show up with some level of enthusiasm to your job more often than not you're you're not in a good place. Uh, people start, start taking notice and after a while like it's gonna compound into some, um, some very suboptimal positions and you may end up seeing yourself looking for a new job and so like the enthusiasm thing like coming in it's something I try to implement when I can like we we all work from home now so you know when I we hop on like a zoom call or something like that I try to bring whatever like I'm talking or something at a level of enthusiasm like I want my coworkers to know that I'm engaged even though I'm I'm at home and you know with this with this age of you know we're doing more and more and more at home over zoom you have to show your employers that you are engaged you can't just show up to work for 8 hours a day and not talk to your employers at all or anything like that because i mean i have to like i personally will do group chats with everyone that i'm working with at that time just so we can all you know just get on the same page and not just kind of do our own thing off in in la la land. So, you know, before I go to the second point, Cole, I see you have a, you have something to say.
2: I was just going to say, I, I'm glad that stuck with you. I think that is something that would translate really, really well, um, to all aspects, to all aspects, to any career, to life. Um, and obviously this has been a, this will be a very sales dominated conversation, but, um, I, I do, I did want to hammer that home. So I'm sorry, keep going.
1: Oh yeah. And then, um, The second part was kind of like what Nick brought up with, don't like tell people what to do. And so I've been, I started coaching this this baseball offseason, right? And I learned very quickly that people get upset when you tell them, all right, do this. Because that's, it's not how you do it. It's just people don't respond that well because they don't know what they're doing wrong in the first place. Or they just flat out don't want to hear you tell them to do something else when they're struggling. They want to come to their own conclusions, and that's something like I found personally where I learn best, or I I figure stuff out best when I come to my own conclusion. So, having someone kind of lead you or guide you, and like kind of ask those questions along the way, instead of saying, "Hey, do this this way," without me like any other context, it it just doesn't work like that. So, I think the 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 really big uh, thing I'll probably take away is I'll try to start like asking more questions and kind of help guide to a solution instead of like tell someone what the solution is.
0: I'm so just happy that you were able to gather that because we're just scratching the surface on it because you have to practice it. It's an art form. It's something that, but to the point of the book and we'll, I'll throw a refer back to seven habits. Again, we're we're talking about tools that are wanting you to go from a certain level to the next. So Jeremy, you don't have to do it but it could help make your reputation more sound by having that approach all of a sudden word of mouth gets out there a little bit hey this guy is super analytical and he can go with me when i need to go there but he also has this amazing ability to just help me understand you know and be relatable to me and how i am as a, an individual uh, you know athlete in this particular case but um boys i think we have done a nice job setting the stage for this book, um, Cole. Me and you being in sales, um, I love talking about this stuff through and through. And uh, I'm hoping that through the process of us talking, you guys can get something out of it, or uh, at the very least, I know I'm getting some out of it. So that's why we're here, right? <laughs> Alrighty, guys. Well, we're gonna we're gonna wrap things up here. We've appreciated your time and listening in to our part one of how I raised myself from failure to success in selling. By Frank Betting, Bettinger <laughs> help me out Cole
2: Frank Betger. how I raised myself from failure to success in selling by Frank Betger. yes
0: we will uh we may leave that pronunciation to him throughout the mini um just because I, I do struggle with that a little bit but we've appreciated it again guys and until next time